Filmmaker Commentary, episode 177. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Reservoir Dogs, 1992, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. We're going back in time. Yes, sir. Uh, what was the budget and box office on this film? So for Reservoir Dogs, it came in with an estimated budget of $1.2 million and came out worldwide box office gross of... $2.9 million, with 2.8 of that being domestic. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad at all. Um, got his money back, and we know that it's made millions. I mean, we're literally looking at this 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray box. Release. Dude, and it's, what, 30 years? It's been 30 years? Is that the anniversary on this one? I think that's what this yeah, that right. would be. Yeah, ninety two, then two thousand two, yeah, two thousand twelve, two thousand twenty three, or two thousand twenty two. So somebody is continuing Lionsgate. So people are continuously making money off this film. So it's made millions and millions and millions, especially in the home entertainment, where I believe it really took off. For sure, for sure. What was the like sentiment at the time uh, for this film? So this film definitely made waves. It kind of ushered in a new era of of filmmakers, obviously being led by Quentin Tarantino, this being his very first film. He had no no prior films underneath his belt before mm-hmm. doing this, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. But everything from the, the, the tone of the film, the dialogue, the the sequencing of the of the scenes, uh, as well as the the violence and even some of the pop culture references that that caused a, a shift and a revolution in, in filmmaking uh, in the nineties. Uh, indeed it was a little little derisive as well some people praised the film for its its bold takes uh some condemned it for some of the some of the violence and uh yeah violence that seems to be the thing that follows tarantino around oh yeah um it's kind of interesting though like how from a marketing standpoint how they're like this is my first film you know what i mean and like like, like he's a genius and thing. He, he is a genius, but like how there wasn't any, de- like there wasn't a development stage of skill or anything like that. Well, Actually, he went to um, Sundance Institute. Yeah, 1991. Mm-hmm. So that was his time to develop and work on things. I actually get to work with uh, Tim Roth. Mm-hmm. Um, they did some scenes together for, for, for the, the film and the script. And yeah, they did about two weeks of rehearsal. Also, but but once he got Kytel, Harvey Keitel on board, it's it's interesting because like um, the other films, people forget about the other scripts that he written, mm-hmm. and so like he's like, hey, I want <laughs> I want to direct the, I want to direct it. So the next one, I'm directing it. So it's uh, interesting. Then he also had a film that never came out, which was My Best Friend's Wedding, which was something he was doing on the side for years, using this as extra money. That's a little trivia thing, but it's interesting how. Um, all this work 
um, like from the public, people don't see the other work that's going on behind the scenes before mm-hmm. somebody makes their debut. Right, right. Um, what? Um, I guess that was it. did it win any awards? So, no, no Oscar nominations this go round on on Tarantino's first film. Uh-huh. It did win some at the. Film Independent Spirit Awards uh, won for Best Supporting Male, and uh, Steve Buscemi did. Uh, it also Toronto International Film Festival. It won the International Critics Award. Nice. That was Tarantino got that. Oh, didn't Sundance Film Festival was nominated for Grand Jury Prize for the dramatic category. Um, didn't Roger Ebert? Didn't they both give it a thumbs down? Uh, that I don't, uh, I do not know. Yeah, I think they both gave it a thumbs down. And I, I, I watched a little bit of the trivia, the little pop up thing in the special features. I think that was one of the things that popped up. They both gave it a thumbs down. Ooh, yikes! It could be the death sentence. Interesting. Yeah, but it wasn't enough to to hold this hold this bold new director down. He uh, he, he made it made a way. Absolutely. Um, but before we talk further about Reservoir Dogs, let's talk about TV news and movies watched. Got two bits of news for you all today. So in the news, according to uh, John Wick director, he uh, says that Oscars for best stunt work will happen. Academy talks are incredibly positive. According to IndieWire, the success of John Wick movies has highlighted the artistry that goes into the stunt work and franchise director Chad Stolheski uh, has become one of the strongest advocates for honoring stunts at the Oscars. The filmmaker has long been vocal about his desire to see new stunt focused, a new stunt focused category added to the Academy Awards. And now his efforts may pay off. In an interview with ComicBookMovies.com, Stalhesky said he met with decision makers at the Academy and believes his vision will come to fruition soon. We've been meeting with members of the Academy and actually have these conversations. And to be honest, it's been nothing but incredibly positive, incredibly instructional. Stahelski said, I think for the first time we've made real movement forward to making this happen. Stahelski said that the biggest roadblocks are logistical ones. Uh, Being that stunt work is incredibly, uh, uh, incredibly collaborative art form. Yeah, yeah. I can kind of see from a like a say if it's like a martial arts scene like we saw in Raid, that would have probably definitely won an Oscar for her stunt choreography. Uh, the Matrix. I mean, there's a there's a lot of uh, films with that choreography in it. That I was like, okay, that should have got something, some kind of nod. Agree. Excuse me. Absolutely. There's been some amazing stunt work. I mean, since since Hollywood started, there have been some amazing people who have done some amazing work. And uh, yeah, I think that it should be. I, I see what they, they see the, the logistical challenge. OK, does it go to, you know, depending on what kind of stunt it is, like there yeah. is, is it a prop is, is it the car that 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 flips over and explodes? Is it the the stuntman that gets set on fire? Right. Is it choreography yeah. from a fight scene? I need to get that that, that sound effect with the guy just yelling. The, the, the Wilhelm? Yeah, we, we got to get that in there. <laughs> nice, nice. But yeah, I, I hope it does come to fruition. I think that it's, um, 
as a, that's an exciting category to to add in. But they'll yeah they'll they'll figure it out. Yeah, and that, then it'll, it'll probably evolve and adapt over time as 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 m- many categories in the Oscars have. Absolutely, that that's hard to kind of pin down. That one, yeah, that would be that'd be hard to pin down because Tom Cruise definitely needs something. Mm. <laughs> they'll they'll figure it out. I mean, whether it's you know uh, you know they differentiate between. The actor, like original screenplay versus adapted screenplay, you know they'll they'll figure out something. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's two categories. Who knows? That's all, that seems like a nightmare to try to figure out because uh, there's so many so many people involved. It's like who gets this? They'll they'll they'll, they'll figure it out. Maybe it'll fall under a generic award where everybody that was on the stunt team gets it. I think you might have a category for stunt performer. Yeah. Well, then you you divide that back male and female. That's what I'm saying. And then you have, but what is stunt, that? And you, you know, have, what I mean? you have stunt. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They'll 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 figure it out, right? <laughs> it probably start out as a generic uh, stunt to be safe. Yeah, because you can start giving awards out for everything. You know what I mean? Like in other, not just stunt coordinator, but in other department. You know, that, that's that's true. But stunts just stand stunts. That's I mean. They can, you you walk away from a film. You you may say something about the sets or the hair and makeup, but it's mm-hmm. man a good stunt. You're like, wow, yeah, that was that that it, it sticks out to you. I mean, it's mm-hmm. yeah. Whether it's the actors themselves doing it or or, or CGI or, or a team, yeah. I mean, there are genres that are heavily reliant on those stunts, like like a you know like a a, a John Wick. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, but that's a. A little bit of news there. Here's another bit of news. Of course, we've all been following along with uh, Jonathan Majors and his development. So recently, uh, according to uh, The Wrap, Jonathan Majors' attorney says, additional compelling evidence nope. delivered to DA requests charges to be dismissed. The actor's domestic assault trial is scheduled to begin in August. On the heels of an August trial date, being set for Jonathan Major's domestic assault case, the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania actor's attorney says additional compelling evidence has been delivered to the Manhattan District Attorney and once again requested that charges against him be dropped. Within a few weeks, uh, excuse me, within a few weeks of these false allegations, we provided the District Attorney with evidence of Mr. Major's innocence. Last week, we delivered additional compelling evidence to the district attorney, clearly proving Grace Jabari's assault on Jonathan Majors and not the other way around, uh, attorney Priya Chandri said in a statement provided to the rap. The evidence includes videos of Mr. Bowery's, Mr. Bowery's frenzied attack on Mr. Majors and his running away from her, the statement included continued. Uh, we also provided photographs illustrating the injuries she inflicted on Mr. Majors and photos of his clothing torn as a direct consequence of Mr. Bowery's violent actions. On March 25th, 2023, Majors was arrested in the Manhattan neighborhood of Chelsea on assault, strangulation, and harassment charges in connection to a domestic dispute involving the 30-year-old woman. The woman has reportedly, the woman was reportedly Majors' girlfriend and was one the one who called the police, telling officers that the actor had assaulted her the night before the victim sustained minor injuries to her head and neck and was removed to an area hospital in stable condition a spokesperson for the nypd said anyway the article goes on from there but i've been following this and i i um watched a video earlier this week by cosmic wonder and he he was covering some of the evidence because they, they had their his attorney they, they delivered some exclusive evidence to 
to one of the outlets. Maybe it was the rap. I don't. I don't remember which one. Mm-hmm. But they went through and man, like the evidence that they have, it it it's it's very compelling. Again, not it's very very compelling. They 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 mentioned like videos of again they they've got you know the the driver of the vehicle because they said that's what the assault had you know had had happened. The driver of the vehicle is willing to testify and 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 mention how. Majors were trying to get out of the vehicle from the lady. Yeah, yeah, and she was you know pulling on him and like like tore like tore his clothing. He was like doing trying to get away, and he had like turned his phone off for a while, and she was kind of blowing that up. But you know, supposedly that's the time when she had pulled, you know gotten whatever the cut or whatever and, and broke a broken finger. So uh, yeah, to act because I've been kind of following a little bit. Mm-hmm. So apparently she went off to a club and just had a, like a blast that night. And there's yeah, there's he went to a hotel. She goes to a club. There's all kind of surveillance footage showing her out doing her thing, using both of her hands and, and fingers like normal. And I've broken a finger. You ain't doing nothing like that hand. Forget about it. Exactly. And then they and they said that when she that when she went back to his place, he wasn't there, but was you know drunk or whatever, or maybe even taking some sleeping pills. I think also, but they found it when he found that she was in a closet yeah. when she had passed out. And wow. and they said well, like, when she was being revived, she 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 was looking at her hand. She's like, "What happened to my finger?" Mm. And she, I think, she kept continuing saying, "Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on." Yeah. But there's also apparently clear camera, police camera, body cam footage of the police clearly coaching her on saying that Majors was the one that had uh, assaulted her. And that's how sick this is because you got the cops that are telling like say this stuff and that's stuff that's being reported allegedly so that's the stuff that's being <laughs> that's being reported to the news so everybody reading this stuff and he's like oh man this is but this is stuff that she's been coached to say allegedly and then <laughs> well, it's all it's good things all we have a trial right coming up so that it can yeah it can all you know all the evidence can be presented and cleared out right if the, the court the court of the public opinion accepts that evidence you know um, can't see why. Can't see why it's there. It's, it's been it's, Stranger Things. It is the evidence of the actual event, <laughs> but nonetheless, it, it it all is again from what's been reported as of late. This evidence seems very compelling. That's rough. So we will see what um, what happens. What happens, what happens next? Did I mean, you hear when the cops? For August. Did you hear when and the cops was like, uh, "How did he get this apartment?" Like they were talking about it was like the town only lived in or the condo or whatever. Like wow, like that's all on camera. Like you can hear it. Mm. Eh, interesting. Any rate, any more news? No, that's uh, that's all we had in the news. So, what you've been watching? Oh boy, yes, sir. So there are some new things that have dropped. So the most recent season of Black Mirror, wow, has has dropped, and so I, I dived into that. I didn't watch the last season of Black Mirror. You didn't? I did not. Okay, and I may. I yes, may you did. Be- I thought you saw one. One was the video game one. Remember the video. <laughs> Anthony no, there Mark. was there was another season, another one. There was another season after really? that. Yeah, and that's the one I, I didn't I didn't catch. Was that the one where Miley Cyrus was in? Yeah, that was because I didn't watch it. Okay, so I, yeah, so I missed that season. But you didn't this, miss too much because that's the, I think I think I may have heard you talk about. It, and I was like, ah, it seems a little too American. Like mm. uh, earlier is more British and like appreciate that art, but it seemed like it was more like Western influence. I'll say this, man. This new season, I'm I'm digging it, man. I really, am, yeah, I'm I'm about. I think I'm on my fourth episode and they've all been real. Hey, they've all been really good. The first one, the first one comes out swinging with, 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 you know, the black mirror is at its best, right? When it's taking a a feasible 
mm-hmm. aspects of technology slightly ahead, but we're so we're so far along now. It's like oh, it's here, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of putting that slight twist on it. And the first episode does a freaking amazing job of of that, and it's it gets it gets very meta. Um, yeah, and there's oh man, yeah, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. Thank so you. I'm, I, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna say anything else, but. <laughs> Yeah, this newest season of Black Mirror. If you're a fan of it, if you never checked it out, it's I say it's totally worth checking out on Netflix. You can thank me later. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did I watch? Um, so I kind of went to sleep a little bit during this film. But the kids, we're, we're following the Rocky franchise. So we remember we watched Rocky 1 together and they sure? loved it. Um, me and the wife just recently finished Creed 3. Uh, but the but the I don't the kids aren't on Creed yet because we got to go through the Rockies. All the Rockies, that's right. And so I was all right. Let's do Rocky too. So I seen they watched the whole thing. I watched the first part of you know I, I, I don't know if I passed out. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I passed out. Um, so I saw the fight at the end, and I saw the first part where he, you know kind of him dealing with like spending money and 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 all that stuff at the very beginning but there's a whole section that's it i'm missing so i gotta go back and watch yeah, it yeah. but i rocky, saw the the rock, intro in the last rock, rocky 2 is one of the most emotional rockies right one of the like biggest emotional developments of of the kid you dive deeper into yeah 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 i gotta yeah. go back definitely definitely gotta go back definitely, but yeah. what i saw it looked good <laughs> <laughs> But what was funny about it, like in the fight, you know, spoiler alert to anybody if y'all haven't seen Rocky Two, came out what year? 40, 40 years ago. Forty years, yeah. Uh, just um, Apollo, you know, that's right. That right is Apollo Creed, right? Mm-hmm. So just how he had the the match won, and all he had to do was just you know just dance around. He's got it made, but that fighting instinct is like, no, nah, I'm I'm gonna you know I ain't holding back. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> knock you out. Yeah. <laughs> Wants it to be definitive, right? Because of the way the previous fight ended, absolutely. And uh, it's it's very interesting how how it turns out. Nobody takes that much damage to the face without brain damage. Well, all that comes to fruition. It does, doesn't is, it? Yeah, like, I saw the other ones. Yes, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a price to pay. <laughs> you can't get in the face that often. No, sir. Dang. That's a. Mm-mm. That is not a way to make a living, but anyhow, yeah, Rocky too, and I'm going to go back and watch the middle part. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you. You report on the middle next next week. Yes, right. Who we looking? The for. music is jamming, dude. When it comes on, it's like, man, what? Yeah, it's like a rendition to the first one. Yeah, yeah, it gets it gets. It's got the '70s vibe too. Yeah, it's got it. Says the horn. The horns are going and. His brother actually, I think, is the helps. No, he, he does. His brother is the one that's on the on the street. I know with the group that that scene. They like, take it back. <laughs> do, 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 take it back. Take yeah, it back. They, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're doing their thing, man. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. No, I got I got love for the Rocky franchise, so I'm glad glad to get a chance. The family's getting a chance to, oh, yeah, to, yeah. to to go in a little bit deeper. But Rocky Two is one I came to appreciate a whole lot more once I saw the. Beginning, middle, and end, and <laughs> the emotional gravitas Adrian. Of, of what like, goes down. It's She's it's, like it, at home crying. Like, <laughs> what? Well, yeah. When you once you see the middle, what what they go through. Like, once I see the the. This is what shocked me because I thought yeah. I thought Stallone's performance in this one was even better than the first one, but the first one's the only one that gets any kind of accolades and awards. Yeah. The yeah. rest of them they don't. But Rocky Two is emotionally 
Stallone, I think, really, he goes goes further. But yeah, it yeah. is what it is. Uh, I also, I watched, so, so I watched a film on Paramount Plus called Black Bear with um what? with uh this this one came out uh, maybe maybe four or five years ago which maybe, maybe not it? even long ago it's it's like cocaine bear no it's not not like cocaine oh. bear it is i need to check that out it's kind of a kind of describe it it's it's like a almost like a drama slash suspense it's okay. got aubrey aubrey plaza oh a girl from child's play yeah it's got aubrey plaza in it and she's playing a a writer, mm-hmm. but it, it's one of those films that it, it starts, it goes one way, and then there's a, a sudden thing that happens, and then it it shifts oh. and changes. And I'm like, wait, what is like Dust Till Dawn? And I, I'm still not completely sure what I saw, why why why, why that change happened, but it, yeah. it, then, then it gets a little bit meta. Yeah, it's it's interesting though, but I but I I enjoyed it. Up, it's a great performance by by her. But yeah, Black Bear on Paramount Plus. Does it have anything to do with bears? Yes. Oh. There, yes, it, it does. Okay. But I think that, I think there's some deeper meaning to it, maybe within nature or maybe within a certain culture. But I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. What yeah. what that is? Those ambiguous titles get me. You know. Um, yeah. I want to know what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. Cocaine Bear sold. Have you watched it? I haven't. <laughs> it's it's on uh, Peacock. Okay. I see it constantly. Like, and I'm tempted to watch it. I, I may, who knows? Maybe I'll watch it this week. I like the little mockbusters, you know, like Asylum that makes the mockbusters. I think there's a cocaine shark. <laughs> <laughs> cocaine shark. Um, me and the kids, we watch Back to the Future 2. Hey. Watch that again. It's always fun to go back and just go through the memory land and listen to the music. That was cool to go back. We were we started on 3, uh, Back to the Future 3. I was like, <laughs> you know it gets tough when those franchises once you get up there you're like yeah. I saw part three we saw like maybe like 20 minutes into it I was like this is a little rough it's tough to hold on to the magic <laughs> Molly <laughs> where is the magic Molly <laughs> he's all in though Doc is all in but uh Michael J he's on his way out he's like Bro, I guess we shoot something else Doc like, you know it's the third <laughs> film yeah <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> well, I'm going back, but I'm not coming back. <laughs> English duck. Oh man, <laughs> Michael J. Fox is a treasure. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen part three. But I started watching. I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe. So speaking of time. I watched a film. I went back to the 1930s. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I watched the, the late, great Charlie Chaplin oh, okay. in a film called Modern Times. That's we, were, we were talking on the phone. I didn't yeah. mention that. I checked this out. And I, I came across it from having watched the Stan Lee documentary. There's a clip in there that mm-hmm. shows one clip from it. And then that clip just, it enamored me. It, yeah. it, it was just funny enough. I was like, I got to see if this is available. Because I know there's a lot of older films on, on Max. HBO Max. Ah, who are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so I found it on there. I was like, okay, and and so, so I started. Uh, I started. I started watching it. No, I, I watched the whole film. It was very enjoyable. Really? Very, yeah, it was very okay. enjoyable. It's okay, Charlie Chapman. It's it's part Chaplin. It's it's interesting because it's part silent film, but there's some talking in it. So it's okay. like it's like this hybrid, oh. but the pacing is really good. It, it moves, boom, boom. It's just about you know this regular guy who 
is working at a factory, factory job, and he's it's Charlie Chaplin, so he's always getting into stuff and messing stuff up. But they're trying to bring in like new technology to like there's this one scene they're trying to uh, make it where lunch breaks are, are quicker and efficient, and this salesman's there with these scientists like, oh, we've got this machine, it'll feed your workers, and so <laughs> it it sits the worker down and it kind of clamps them where they can't use their hand, and it, it attaches to them and it's this rotating tray. There's one that you know will feed you different food. It's it's pretty ingenious how it works. How however they got this thing to to work and put food in the person's mouth and then it turns it, it rotates and then there's a thing that to to feed them like corn on the cob. It's supposed Ooh. to be automated working. And then there's this this sponge that swings in and it yeah. daps, daps the face and then moves out of the way. And so initially things are going pretty smooth and he's he's <laughs> eating and rotate. All right, dap his mouth. All right, rotate corn on the cob. But then it starts malfunctioning and that thing started moving too yeah. fast and like food's getting thrown in his face. Yes. And it's, it's pretty pretty wild. But anyway, that's just one small part. But it's just constant, just in, in, insanity. There's uh anyway, but yeah, it, it's called Modern Times. It's him and his, his co-star. I forget the young actress's name, but she's she's like poor. Like mm. don't wear shoes. Poor. Yeah. Um, and she's got two younger sisters. It's 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 heartwarming. It's very charming and. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's it's on it's on Max, but again, I know most of you probably yeah you're probably not into you know you know black and white films or, or silent films, but I would I would encourage you give it give it a watch. It's it's well done and it moves. It's like okay, bop. the pacing is is really well done, and so yeah, but it's called Modern Times with the great Charlie Chaplin. Again, this is my second Chaplin film that I've watched. Mm-hmm. I think this year I watched The Great Dictator. I think earlier this year also, mm-hmm. and really enjoyed that so i'm gonna be checking out some more of, of chaplin's work i definitely want to check out the i think it's the kid i think it's called but he's, he's got a number of films that are on max okay so I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out some more charlie chaplin and get back with y'all that's pretty that's pretty stellar like after all these years like somebody's still making money these are classics man and, and yeah. i can see where i i could see other people watching it and and, and being able to enjoy it yeah it's it's very it's just the way technology is now with honestly with a lot of the videos we see on Instagram and YouTube with the way they're formatted and the way that text pops up it makes silent films almost like even like more like relevant it makes it relevant because it's kind of working the same way you get text that pops up and says this and then hmm. you cut back to it so yeah don't know um, I watched what was the first Hulk with Ed Norton the Incredible Hulk. We watched that. Me and the kids watched that. We never seen it together. Uh-huh. We watched it a long time ago, but to kind of go back, that's well done. Yes, it is. It doesn't. It wasn't getting enough love. I was trying to tell you, man, incredible Hulk. It's it, solid. It's legit. And then also too, because the this I don't remember the year that it came out. Oh wait, same was, year as Iron Man. The CGI wasn't on point when it comes to the Hulk, so they shot a lot in the dark. So it's he's in shadows a lot. So they they kind of got away with a lot of things, but it made it seem like he's more like this horrific monster. Yeah. By how they shot it, I was like, "This is well done. This is good filmmaking." Mm-hmm. And the kids loved it though. So here's the here's an interesting tidbit. So the next Captain America film coming up, uh, Captain America four. Oh, they've changed the name a couple times. Uh, the movie or the series? The movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, actually, yeah. The, the next Captain America movie mm-hmm. with Sam Wilson. Uh, it's Captain America, Brave New World or New World Order, something that effect. But mm. it's going to have General Thunderbolt Ross, mm. of course, who's always in the Hulk, Hulk films. But of course, he was in um, Captain America: Civil War, 
famously in the comics, he becomes a, a character called the Red Hulk, which is a bit of irony because he's always trying to destroy the Hulk, but he eventually yeah. turns himself into a Hulk. And so he's been, of course, William Hurt, um, you know, God rest his soul, passed away. And so um, Indiana Jones himself and Han Solo himself, okay. uh, one Mr. Harrison Ford, mm. has now is reprising the role of Thunderbolt Ross. And oh so people goodness. are expecting Red Hulk is, is going to be coming soon. But... Um, where they're going with this? Da, 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 da. But okay, so in at the end of Incredible Hulk, we see that Doctor Samuel Stearns is trying to help the Hulk out, like trying to cure him. He's he's Mister So and So that he's been communicating with through the yeah, yeah Mister Blue, Mister Green, exactly. And we see at the end he hits the ground, and we see that gamma ra- gamma uh, radiation or Hulk's blood falling onto his brain, That's and right. it's starting to expand. Yeah, Samuel good. Stearns is a character in the comic called the Leader, mm-hmm. who while the Hulk is gamma radiated strength and brutality the leader is gamma radiated genius Ooh. like super genius and his head is big and sometimes it displays a real long head sometimes it's more like a, a round cranial thing but he's going to be the new Captain America so we're getting some callbacks from from the Incredible Hulk that are going to be in, in Captain America so it's good that you revisited that because that will information will come in handy it made me think about um the quantumanium with the guy, the big face dude, like Modoc. They they really did him. Like <laughs> this is bad. They did him dirty. He yeah, looked terrible. It really did look terrible. And he had the little legs. <laughs> but that's but Modoc as a character. That's how Modoc looks. But the way they handled the CGI for the face being spread out, stretched out, I'm like, no. Oh. But Modoc Modoc is a, is a is a silly character in 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 incarnation. Really? Yeah, he's he's always like just used for humor. Yeah, um, humor. Uh, humorous purposes I'm a weapon or whatever he was saying over and over again but yes but there the reason why Incredible Hulk was able to even be on Disney Plus because Disney officially so for the for the past however many years yeah Marvel Marvel spun off a lot of their character movie rights to other studios Hulk went to Universal and so we got that terrible Hulk movie from Ang Lee before that one came out before the Incredible Hulk absolutely that one I, I liked some of it but yeah, it looked like a big cartoon, though. I hate, I hate that. It looked like a cartoon. I hate it with a passion. Nonetheless, it's but fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it started getting wild once the like the dogs once they like started turning dogs. I tell you what, there was a, it was a nice video game. They made a very fun. Are you video serious? Game. Yeah, on the uh, on the original Xbox and probably I guess maybe the PS2. Really, really fun Hulk game based on that movie. The, the look of the movie. Not totally the look, but but it came it came from maybe no actually it was a. It's called Hulk Total Rampage. That game was crazy fun. You could like they they captured the the strength and the speed of Hulk. You could run up buildings. You could just, just you could just just mass destruction. It was it was a lot of fun. It was an open world Hulk game, very very fun. So like in the Ang Lee, not to cut you off, but in that one, it was interesting to see him like running up mountains and jumping in there and slapping airplanes out of the air. Just like dang, Hulk literally again from again from the comics, and they they don't he doesn't get enough of this in the MCU. We don't get to see his. His jumping ability, but that's a that's a like when you talk about a, 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 there's like main powers of the Hulk. Yeah, his leaping ability. Hulk literally jumps for miles. That's typically how he travels and gets away. People he, he'll Dude. jump and he'll he'll jump, you know, three four miles away in one leap. That, that's Boom. crazy. And, and then you can see that in the Ang Lee uh, movie. So he's just like he's basically like flying for a little bit. You yeah, know? I mean from I mean again you you think you think. One one jump taking you three miles at a time. Yeah, yeah it's like he's flying. Probably, actually, you could probably go further than that. But his his leg muscles are, are that powerful, and he's he's a, the Hulk is extremely fast. MCU shows some of that speed as well, but Hulk is very very fast. His reflexes are 
And you can see point. that in that one, even though that movie's like kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see like those abilities. Yeah. And the Incredible Hulk, it seems like he's more grounded in somebody that's turned into somebody that's incredibly strong. Yeah. Yeah. But Hulk is, in, in the comics, Hulk is, I mean, every character is upgraded over time. Right. But Hulk is, in the comics, he's, in, there's some alternate version where he's practically immortal. Where he, like, there's there's one story where he literally, Bruce Banner is the only person left on Earth. Because everybody's died of, like, radiation from maybe nuclear war. And every morning he gets up. He's an old man, gray hair, long long white hair. Yeah. Every morning he gets up, he gets a- attacked by these, these huge, like, gamma-radiated insects from underground. And they literally start attacking him. He, he's running for his life. They start attacking him. And, he, of course, he hulks out. But these things are so strong, they actually eat him alive. They 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 eat him up, and it's like his body just it's it's just, just it's gross. It's yeah. gross. But the Hulk regenerates from that. Yuck! And and it happens again, just all day long. Like he just gets attacked by insects. He's in eat, hell and eaten. Yeah, eaten alive, and then and then he regenerates. That's like that's his existence. It's like oh, it's terrible. But hell, hell, yeah. Nonetheless, though, so the whole reason why this was able to happen, why this film could now show on Disney Plus, is that though Marvel had gotten the, the the film rights back from Universal, they didn't have the distribution rights. That's why that's why there hasn't been another Hulk movie since the Edward oh. Norton one. That's why he was. That's why he's in Ragnarok, and they're they're doing part of the. They're kind of they were kind of doing some of the world World War Hulk storyline. I like it. But uh, but now I need my fix. Now now that they got the distribution rights back, that cleared up with Universal. Now they can uh, now they can do an actual Hulk film should they decide to do so. Uh, Because we've got all kinds of nuggets. Even at the end of She Hulk, we see Bruce Banner with with his son Scar. It's like man, so all the all these. So we might get maybe World War Hulk. Might be one that they do. That's where Hulk goes full on, full on villain, and he's destroying. Everybody, man, he 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 jacked some people up pretty bad uh, in World War Hulk, but he had but he had a he had he had strong motivation to do so. Um, I was going to say something, but I forgot. Um, anything else you've been watching? Yes, one more thing. Uh huh. Secret Invasion uh, has premiered on Disney Plus as well. Mm-hmm. What you one, think? One Nick Fury back. It was okay. Yeah, same yeah. here. We yeah. watched it. We were waiting on it, and we watched it. it was like, oh, hmm. Yeah, I was like, ah, I mean, of course, I'm going to watch the rest, but it's, it's it's got it's got you know the kind of it, it was what I expected, honestly. I, I was I was expecting something marvelous. Yeah, it's the the hype around it has been like, oh, this is you know this is it. But the people that I I had seen talk about it, they said they saw the first two episodes. So mm. I think this second episode is going to be that something big is going to happen. In the second second episode that really makes this thing take off. And they drop it drops every. Thursday, I think Thursdays. Thursdays. Yeah, I think I, I watched it on a Thursday. Okay. Wednesday or a Thursday. Oh, yeah. I need that. I wish they would just drop, just drop all the episodes. That's of course fine. You do. Come on. Stop it. Patience. Patience, Red. I don't have the time. <laughs> I don't need your patience. <laughs> uh, yeah, we watched it. That's, and that's pretty much it for what we've been watching. Like, oh, I got one more thing, actually. I'm sorry. Uh, Ted Lasso. I finished the third season of Ted Lasso that's on Apple, Apple Plus. Uh, what genre is that? Is that comedy? What is that? It 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 is it is it is a comedy mm-hmm. and Bill Hader. No, no, not Bill Hader. Excuse me. Um, oh man, what's my man's name? I don't know. Bill Maher. Bill Murray. Billy uh, Corgan. Oh no, I'm Billy I'm, I'm embarrassed. I got I got look. I have to I have to look look his name up. Bill uh, Nye. I don't think it's even Bill. Uh, Billy Blanks. He was former former SNL. William Defoe. Mm. 
I just, <laughs> just, just making up stuff. Here we go. Ted Lasso. He's a comedian. Uh, the guy you can't remember. Jason Sudeikis. Crap. I was way off. Yeah. Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> who, yeah, he's he is wonderful as Ted Lasso. Uh, this, yeah. And I think this was this was like a wrap. Like this is like the I think the end Season of the of the series show. finale. Yeah, like a series finale. Did it feel like it had closure? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, well, it, that's it, good. It's, when you can wrap it up, America has a problem with uh, just finishing things. You know, this one this one was is pretty definitive. Good. Yeah, but yeah, Ted Lasso was, that's was good to see. It quite, had some quite enjoyable. Yeah, quite enjoyable. It's a great show. It's, it speaks to aspects of. Of uh, of mental health uh, in, in different episodes, but it's a uh, yeah solid solid show and, and it, 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 nice ending. I, I was I was I was I was satiated. All right, pleased. All right, Ted yeah. Lasso. Um, and today's show was sponsored by Natural Hair the Movie by Grind of Matter Films, available to stream for free on Tubi and Roku on demand. Please check it out and leave a review. And now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Reservoir Dogs 1992, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Now let's jump into the synopsis. Six criminals with pseudonyms and each strangers to one another are hired to carry out a robbery. The heist is ambushed by police and the gang are forced to shoot their way out. At their warehouse rendezvous, the survivors, realizing that they were set up, try to find the traitor in the mist. Reservoir Dogs. No. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. You've been forewarned. How did you want to introduce the cast? Yes, I would love to introduce the cast of Reservoir Dogs. We have the great Harvey Keitel, who also served as a co-producer on this project as one Mr. White and uh, Larry. We have Tim Roth in a stellar performance as one Mr. Orange and by the first name Freddie. We have the uh, the great Michael Madsen <laughs> as Mr. Blonde and also known as Vic Vega. That's right. We have the late great Chris Penn as Nice Guy Eddie. We have the wonderful Steve Buscemi as Mr. Pink. Why pink? Can I be uh, purple? You Mr. Pink, as I tell you, Mr. Pink. All right. Okay. All right. Not a big deal. Uh, we have one Lawrence Tierney as Joe Cabot. Okay. And those, those are the, the main. Oh, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, almost remiss for the director himself, Mr. Quentin Tarantino, as Mr. Brown. There's another. Mr. Brown. There's our other Mr. Uh, there Mr. Blue. Yeah, I'm trying to find where he is at on here. It should be a Mr. Red. We have Mr. White. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Here he is. Edward Bunker as Mr. Blue. Oh, there you have it. Um, how did you watch this film? This came out in 1992, so well, yeah. Man, I I don't remember. I think I may have I may have this may have been on my Netflix film when I was just kind of just pulling things, ordering things. I may have borrowed a uh, your copy. 
I, yeah, I don't remember exactly when I saw this. It was in the la- within the last ten years is when okay. I would have seen it. It was, it was it was later on. It was after I saw after I saw Taron, after I saw Pulp Fiction after I saw Kill Bill. I saw Reservoir Dogs much later. I watched it. It probably been oh seven between oh seven oh nine around that era when I was studying certain directors, and um, of course known him from Pulp Fiction. I thought that was his first film, or you know, or that's what I known Tarantino from. Um, and when I started researching his career going look I was like, oh okay so he's this is his basically independent film um they got you know some money put into it to make it bigger than what it was intentionally going to be um but yeah i watched the same got a dvd watched it but i wasn't like blown away per se in the same way like when i watched pulp fiction how i was watching that this one you know it's a lot of people raved about it um I think in retrospect, there there's missing some feminine in energy, which we do see in Pulp Fiction, and also I said probably was the case with Hateful Eight and some of the other films. Um, you gotta have gotta have some of that energy, in my opinion. But um, nonetheless, it's still a cult classic. Interesting enough, there is a deleted scene mm-hmm. that has one like the only female, not the only, but the only female with lines mm-hmm. in the in the movie. Um, it was like another cop she was she was basically kind of giving uh mr orange and his 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 partner mr uh the only other brother in the film <laughs> oh because he was another cop yeah yeah uh, randy brooks who was a hold away mm-hmm. she was giving them basically the rundown about these different um criminals that are going to be infiltrating and specifically about harvey Keitel's character they were talking about his past where he was from mm-hmm and and anyway, so yeah, that was a deleted scene. That was like a good like five, I feel like a five minute scene Interesting. film that they had shot and taken out. It was looks like it was fully developed too. Wow. So I don't mean from a runtime standpoint, they chose to nix it. This time around, I got the Blu-ray. Went to Movie Trade and Co. Picked it up. It was like five ninety nine Blu-ray. Um, looks good. Watching it, it looks good, but um, you can tell like it the age even at with the clear picture you're like okay this is a old film stock mm. yeah i got the 4k off of amazon it was on sale for maybe like between I don't know, maybe like 12 bucks or something like that mm-hmm. but it was it was a solid deal ultra but, hd yeah the only thing that that again kind of annoys me and I, this is the same thing with the the previous film is that you get the 4K, it's like the, all the special features are on, all on the Blu-ray specifically. So you got to hey, s- switch them out. I'm like, hey, hey. it's life you chose. This disc <laughs> is so packed. Why can't you just put that? Anyway, nonetheless, I'm just. It's got to be a reason. First first world problems, right? Um, Maybe it's business related. I, I guess. They don't have to. Because you got to blow everything up, right? So if it's. The 4K. Oh, the features? Maybe, maybe, maybe that. Because all the features on Blu-ray, everything's in HD 1920 by 1080. Sure. Um, so if they transfer those features over, don't they have to blow those up to 4K? And those features were probably also came from the original DVD version. Well, some some may have been, but there's only two. Yeah. And, and they're not, they're nothing to write home about. <laughs> really, they're oh. like, oh, man. <laughs> right home. I was like, I was, I was pissed. I had to take the time to <laughs> switch the disc out. Like, just for this? Uh, Come on. Uh, what did you like or not like about the film this time around? Uh, what I liked about the film, Resident Nerd here, I love actually the fact they mentioned both 
that we see Silver Surfer. In the background. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, Norn Rad, baby. <laughs> Silver Surfer, man. Uh, just like like prominent. I'm like, yo, that, okay. And then the fact that they literally mentioned Fantastic Four and they literally mentioned the thing. I'm like, well, Ben Grimm, the thing. I'm like, okay, that's it's cool to like hear that shout out. This is, you know, this is before I think this this is we're talking this was twenty what do we say? nineteen ninety two. This yeah. is before we had any Fantastic Four movies. Right. So this is it's yeah, the, it's the culture, it's like the nerd culture. It reminds me of like when Kevin Smith was out. Well, still is in the nineties, and he had tons of comic book references. Oh, in yeah. all his films with just their chatter. It was like kind of like a thing to do, especially for the writer directors. Him being a writer director. Hey, um, yeah, you have your influences. I'm and, here for it. And even though we don't know Tarantino to be like a comic nerd, you know he did read. So yeah, so I was like, okay, I see you there, Quentin. <laughs> um, what did I like a lot? Like. Um, the n-word is back in yeah, full put, force i put that in my <laughs> i said just in general how whenever they reference a black character yeah n-word they they use jungle bunny at one point i was oh, like, oh. I was like here we are yeah it was it's pretty brutal I'm like man but also i'm wondering if he's taken from some of the like the godfather films because whenever we have these mafia as criminal characters whenever they talk yeah. about black people there is absolutely degrading yeah uh yeah, when yeah. They, how they talk about black people I'm like oh man Except when they're talking about the the one female from like when when, oh, when young direct sugar, yeah, yeah, like that's like the only comp like not non totally racist time that they're talking about yeah. black people. But yeah. even then, they get into talk about how black men how they treat their women, yada yada. Yeah, like hmm, this is nope, and they're not not like box check. <laughs> Interesting times. Um. So yeah. So that. So the n word is back. So I was like, ah, yeah, here we are. Back to it, left Hollywood, and we're back to the beginning. Yeah, but now like seeing it, like you're like man, from the from the jump, like man, Quinn's pretty uh, relentless on this like, throughout <laughs> throughout his films. Mm-hmm. The ice. Yes. Um, anything that you didn't like or like? Uh, well, we just talked about yeah, the use, the use of the, the use of the N word and general references to black people. I, I did not like. Yeah, but I did also I did like the performances in this. Yeah. Um, like I said, really, I, the film, I, it's not a film that I just re- revisit like that out of his catalog. Mm-hmm. Kill Bill, probably be the one that, and Pulp Fiction, probably the ones that are revisited the most for me. Um, but going back and looking at this, like seeing how he transitioned to the different scenes, even though this is basically a monster in a house film. Yeah. Um, but they do. Stage play, even. Yeah. So, Which like, it's been translated to. Seeing like the cutaway, this it's interesting to see the cutaways when a character says something, and then you actually see the cutaway, kind of like uh, what's the cartoon, um, Family Guy, when they do something, mm. and you see the cutaway, and then you actually they illustrate what happened illustrate. in the cutaway, yeah, yeah, instead of just right talking. into it, yeah. So I I, I appreciate that. Uh, that's about it for you know what I like. Like I just liked uh, I followed the story a little bit more uh, this time around. Okay, so I can appreciate it. More. I had forgot how it ended initially. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like. Oh yeah, who is the cop? I was like, oh, pretty convincing. Yeah, I, 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 I forgot how it ended. Then was like, the ones got close. I'm like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> actually pretty. Uh, it's pretty. I think it was a pretty cool reveal. Yeah, and yeah, they force you to kind of stick around. Mm-hmm. Who who done it basically? Yeah, like which one is it? It's hmm. you. Um, this didn't have any commentary. Uh, had special features. What did you think about the special features? It's like only a couple, but well, actually, there was a few because 
They had the trivia. Mine didn't have that. So there's like a trivia track where if you watch the whole film, like these little pop-ups will go, and then they'll give you trivia what's happening. But you got to read and you got to watch the film. Oh, I feel I feel cheated. Oh, my, this it went on the Blu-ray? Freaking 4K didn't give me that. It, it literally gave me two features. One, no, well, three. One, deleted scenes. One called Playing It Fast and Loose. And another called Profiling the Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, it had it had those two on there. But it did have the little trivia thing. And it was a lot of trivia. But I was like, man, if I had the time, I would probably watch it again with that. Because, I mean, it was popping up every other minute. That's what Jackie Brown was like. It had that. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is so much. I was like, I don't have time to go through all this right now. But right. that, yeah, that could definitely serve in place of a commentary almost at times. Yeah. Hmm. I feel, I, I feel cheated. Slided. Yeah, they did. They just they upped the price for the 4K. The overall tone of the film, what do you, what kind of tone do you think they're they're hitting uh, for this film? So I think it hits kind of a couple different tones. Initially, it start off, starts off light and humorous as they're sitting around the table chatting it up. Then all of a sudden, we cut to it, it's suspense of this guy having yeah. been shot and God, Tim Ross's yeah. desperate cries of 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 of, of, of death yeah and then then it becomes like almost like a horror film we're yeah. trapped inside with you know mr blonde and his <laughs> psycho death dance to <laughs> yeah. stuck in the middle with you yeah it's like oh like i like, i can never hear that song and not and not see michael madsen absolutely like oh but the song is catchy. Now, that song is really catchy. I never knew anything about the song until this movie. I had heard it on the radio really? before. Yeah, I'd heard it on the radio <laughs> before. I'm like, ah. Uh-huh. And then when I see him. It's nothing worse than getting beat up to a soundtrack. <laughs> Sliced and diced <laughs> to the rhythm. Can you hear me? <laughs> um, yeah, like a lot. I was saying the same thing. You know, that it's. You hear all this chatter, so like as it starts out, you you hear these guys, you kind of get an idea of their personality. You get Tarantino again talking about penises and <laughs> and his thing, so doing his Tarantino explanation of something pop culture. This is what it really means. This, yeah, it's <laughs> takes a stance on it. You know what that's about, right? Hmm. Uh, so he's doing that thing and then we get the whole tip situation so we see the different characters about them tipping and da 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 and then we cut from all this banter to like the blood scene of him being shot and I was watching a part of this with my wife and she was like oh what happened like she she saw it with me a long time ago right um, and she's like oh what happened like she totally forgot about you know the situation so she's like what, what's going on here hmm. so this film has a way of like kind of cutting to like oh what, what's that what's going on you know, just kind of out of nowhere, and just like everybody's smiling and doing something, and then like dread. Yeah, instantly you're like, "Oh, something went, something went terribly wrong." Right. But yeah, but he, he sucks you back in. You're like, "Oh, wait, what? What? What happened?" And it, it's I think it's so smart the way they work with the budget mm-hmm. by us like not seeing them in the actual jewelry store. We don't see the internet. It's just them talking about it. What? What went? What went wrong? This guy did this, yada yada. I'm like, oh, that's smart. Um, what? What you think about the music and then also the, just the style of how Quentin approached this film? I like the camera movement throughout. Yeah, um, and even some of the tra- long tracking shots, which yeah. you know becomes a staple for for Tarantino. Like again, they mentioned in, in one of the things I watched, I think that there's a lot of long master shots 
showing the and that show the consequences of the violence. Right. You know, we see, you know, um, Tim Roth laying in that blood for a minute. Man. Like, sometimes he'd be yeah in there for like 10 hours a day. That's rough. Just in that fake blood. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the soundtrack is solid. You know, again, Tarantino's known for drudging up the 60s or 70s in his, in yeah. his films, and this is the start of it. And plenty of music from the 70s. It kind of sets a tone for how he approaches film because usually you'll have like some composer that, that does that and the soundtrack isn't necessarily taking over <laughs> the movie, but it feels like his style is, you know what, we're going to turn this up and it's taking over. Yeah. And it's, honestly, he he made this with quite, for a first time filmmaker, he made this with quite a bit of confidence. Like there's some bold choices like he was pretty fearless and yeah. I, I think I, I think it's impressive what what he's able to pull up for a first film agreed dang yeah okay absolutely um the style yeah you were mentioning like the the wide shots you know keeping the wide shots which kind of keeps everybody on it so everybody has to kind of stay in character with these wide shots oh yeah um from the shots from like when the the police gets shot uh the policeman gets shot you know he has to be Act dead for a little while, you know. <laughs> got to chill out with the breathing. Just you mm-hmm. got to be honest in some of these shots. Um, they mentioned even one of the shots, Reginald, when Mister Blonde, Michael Madsen, when he goes out to his car to get the gasoline. Yeah, it tracks him as he goes from inside the warehouse to outside to his trunk, gets it, walks back inside, and they mentioned how they have to just balance the 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 lighting and the, and the oh. And the, Oh, I didn't even think about that, but that's brutal. Yeah. Especially if that's a one track. I didn't know if they, yeah, it was a tracking shot. Yeah. Um, and if it's a one take, they got to change the exposure right away. Exactly. They say that's like pretty, pretty high level filmmaking for someone to do in their first, their first film to have a, a shot like that. Like, yeah. Cause, well, cause it's the cinematographer. So like the cinematographer, I think that was his first film mm. um, with Tarantino. And yeah. So the operator, so the operator has to turn that exposure as soon as it goes you turn an exposure down to compensate for the sun then when you go back into the warehouse you got to turn it crank it back up yeah like that's interesting but hey that's uh that's why you're making the bit bucks hey yes sir um i also like that scene when he's when he is going outside we hear the music stuck in the middle with you but then as he's walks to the car like kind of fades in the background and Mm -hmm. we don't hear it you're like oh we're hanging out with this guy. Then he comes back with the gasoline and the music still on. And comes back with his dance. <laughs> oh, back to the torture. <laughs> um, yeah. So stylistically, there's definitely a style in Tarantino's fingerprints all over this. Even the, the when when they cut away to like reactions, like when so when when Madsen is dancing and they cut to the cop's face. Yeah, and just the the fear slash disgust. Yeah. Uh, that he's experiencing, like he doesn't like. What is this guy about to do to me? He already said he's going to torture me just for the sake of torture. Yeah, and he's got a razor blade in his hand. Oh yes. man, that's that's got to be just terrifying, man. Absolutely. What are some themes that you picked up from this film? So I have some themes of professionals. Guys, we're supposed to be professionals. Yeah. We we hear Mr. Pink say that continually. We're supposed to be professionals. Right. And these guys are not. They don't come across as they, they've they've botched this job royally and 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 made some pretty bad mistakes through uh, throughout. Uh, so yeah, themes of being professional, professional. Um, 
I guess um, when you were talking about like the violence, it um, that's one of the things that kind of stuck with me and with this film was just uh, the violence. I didn't really understand why. I was like, why is this? Feels like it lingers or something. Like you know, it feels a little bit more real, even though we know it's fake. It just it feels a little bit more real. But um, I guess it's like the reality of being a criminal. You know, the reality of what happens if you get shot, even if you just get shot once. It's like you know, some movies you see um, somebody get shot and they're just like, oh, five shots, no problem. I'll keep going. Yeah, I'll yeah. Tough it out. I, these people have obviously not been shot. And yeah. this guy, you know, Mister. Orange's character, he gets shot by a civilian. Yeah, with her, her just I totally forgot about gum. that. <laughs> shot that fool, and he capped her back. And you can see the reaction of his face that uh, I just shot a, a civilian. civilian. Yeah. Yeah. That he's regretting that, but but then just his his agony that he's in throughout the the film. That's <laughs> like man, I, I, Tim Ross' performance is is, is amazing, but. We see the consequence of that, him slowly bleeding out. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like huge blood splatter per se, but we do see when Matson cuts that guy's ear off, the, the camera pans away from them. Yeah. And then it pans back, and we can see the exposed portion of the guy's cartilage where the yeah. ear was. Um, but we don't see it. It's not like a close-up of, of it. You know, it's not like torture porn. Or, you know, you see the slicing of the blade through yeah. the ear. Like, he doesn't quite go there. But we, we we are left with the consequences. We we sit with these people in the consequences of violence. The violence. Yeah, man. So like you see someone just get popped in the stomach, they leak out, you could die from that. You know it what I mean? But it's gonna take a while. <laughs> yeah. That guy's there with what seems like hours. That's gotta be terrible. Yeah. Um But I had a theme also of mistrust. Yeah. Because once once you know, once uh Mr. Pink says, "No, we've got a, we've, we've got a, we've got a mole. We got a snitch. Yeah, like somebody's, somebody set us up. Yeah, and then that begins to unravel an already unraveled team of mm-hmm. non-professionals, even more so. And persuasion, uh, persuasion is key for these criminals because you got to persuade people. Pink is very persuasive, and there is a rat. You know what I mean? And he has to convey his point of view and." You know, I popped the cop, so it ain't me. You know, mm. you know, he shot a few cops on the way out. Then uh, cartels, Mister White. So he's talking about, you know, he had to sh- shoot a couple on uh, to get out, so he's not a rat. So they're kind of like process like, of elimination. Yeah, and also like kind of bravado. Like I, you know, I'm a criminal. I ain't scared. You know, kind of thing. Like mm. I, this is what I did to get out. And uh, the fact that Orange had gotten shot and was kind of laying there unconscious, he didn't have to defend himself because he's just, oh, I'm shot. You know. <laughs> Ah, yeah, and then um, and then when he and then when Orange gets up, you know, or comes back too, didn't get up, he lay down. Um, he has to persuade, uh, Sean, not Sean Penn, um, what's the character's name? Harvey Cartel? No, Harvey, uh, Penn. The actor's name is Penn. Oh, Chris Penn. Chris Penn. Mr. Uh, Eddie. 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 Nice guy, Eddie. Nice guy, Eddie. So he has to persuade him on like. The, why he shot the uh, Mr. Blind. Why, yeah, Mr. Blind. Yeah, yeah, I shot Mr. Blind because he was going to take him or eat the diamonds. And, like, the story just didn't make sense. Nope. It was like, oh, man. Because, like, he was like, you're telling me this guy who went to jail for for me and my dad. Yeah. Didn't say a word. Did his time like a man. Yeah. You're one of my best friends at night. I was like, oh, you, you, you're stuck, dude. This is. Yeah. This and just the way his eyes were well. piercing, it was like, 
yeah, this is well acted. And then all of a sudden, his dad comes in. And he's like, "No, this guy's a this guy's a cop." <laughs> like, oh, you're co- you're a screwed, dude. You work for the LAPD? No, you're a screw. And he's like, "I got no idea what you're talking about." You're not convinced. Yeah, <laughs> you are done. You're not getting out of this. Unbelievable. Um, do you have any favorite scenes? I do have a few. Uh, the opening dialogue, the opening scene, that conversation, that that. Mm-hmm begins to set a tone for Tarantino films going forward. Just these guys talking about just everyday stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, again, Tar- Mr. Brown, is that Tarantino? Yeah. yeah. Mr. Brown talking about Madonna's like a virgin video. And what, it, what it, what it really means. Interesting bit of trivia. Yeah. He actually later on talked to Madonna and who had seen the movie and asked if that was that, was that the metaphor for the song? And she said, no, it's not, but I liked your interpretation. <laughs> Interesting, but yeah, just a this is a very interesting conversation. Go the whole the whole thing about not tipping. It's like oh, it's very interesting. Um, so yeah, that's that's an enjoyable way to kind of draw you in and get to give, begin to give you some insight to these different characters and their personalities. Absolutely. Um, oh, that that scene reminds me of a better version of that scene is in actually Death Proof, which we covered with Rosario, Zoe Bell, and everybody just kind of talking about different cultures and stunts and all the stuff like it they seem like they were more into it mm. you know because now it's a, an established style that tarantino does and so they're you know being students of that like i want to i want to crush this scene um but one of my favorite scenes is when mr white is getting into it with mr pink and then he punches mr pink and then while mr pink is on the ground he like kicks him and the way he's doing it it's like pretty fast mm. it's just fun he's kicking while he's on the ground and then mr pink pulls out the gun and they both pull a gun out on each other i just thought that was hilarious like seeing harvey Keitel like soccer kick this dude and like 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 double up on it like <laughs> could get those ribs oh man it was funny it's funny um, another scene I had is just after uh, Mr. Orange has been shot and he's in the back seat and how Mr. White's trying to comfort him and get him to stay you know keep it together and mm-hmm. just again just Tim Roth just his reaction just his 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 eyes like just he's like manic because he's He's been shot and kind of knows he's probably going to die if he doesn't get medical aid but he's, but now knowing that he's keeping cover Mm-hmm. While having been shot, but also feeling guilty about having shot a civilian like that, all all these yeah. things now you know are, are going through his mind, and he's kind of crazy. But yet his his you know this guy he's setting up is is there trying to keep him calm. Yeah. So that's like this this complex dynamic, and this this lifelong criminal is uh, call that in too deep. Mm. You just yeah, kill but, a civilian, you're, you're in too deep now. You're a criminal now. Yeah. It's official, but it was just like reactionary. Like he was shot and it's falling. Just like, nonetheless, just like reaction. Like, oh man, that's still dead. Yeah, <laughs> because of your gun. Um, I like uh, Mister Orange when he's telling the stories about how the cops, how he went to the bathroom with the weed, and there's like four cops and a German Shepherd just so happened to be in the restroom. That story that he has to tell to the other criminals. Criminals love stories. Everybody loves stories. Um, but if you can really hit all the points, they can get into it. And they start asking questions. So so what did the cop do? Like, you know, um, I just thought it was interesting how he told that story. And when he tells the story, we actually see him 
he's no longer telling the story to the criminals. He's actually talking to the we see the, the cops. Police. Yeah, that was pretty so, cool transition. Oh, that's an interesting way to tell to illustrate someone telling the story. Yeah, I, I agree. I was like, oh, that's a that's a cool technique. Uh, of course, again, one of the favorite scenes or memorable is the iconic walk scene. Yeah, that we get from the opening credits. That yeah. is that has become so iconic. Those guys in those suits with yeah. the shade, black shades on. Uh huh. Super I- iconic. Same suits that basically Samuel Jackson and uh, what's his name, John Travolta. <laughs> they wear in Pulp Fiction. So it's like same suit, same clan, still doing their crime thing. Yeah. Time to get in the character. Um, Let's hang back for a bit, right? <laughs> Um, well, speaking of which, since we're talking about that, in from Pulp Fiction, when they say let's hang back, we see a, a similar sequence like that. And that's when uh, Mr. Pink and Mr. White, after they're fighting and they're cleaning up in the bathroom, we kind of were hanging back with, in the full shot while they're in the, in the background in the restroom kind of cleaning up and everything like that. That's true. Same kind of Pulp Fiction shot. Which is also... Seeing them wipe out blood, it's also similar to being at um, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. At his house and yeah. wiping blood on the towels. Hey, man, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I use the same towels and then look like a Mexican dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, that, that walk scene is, is super memorable. Um, um, going back to that Mr. Orange scene, it was it's an illustration on... Uh, how you have to be cool in certain situations. Like, no matter what, it's like, like, all you have an illegal substance in your, your person. A dog knows you have it. Is barking at you. <laughs> That's a heck of a, like, story for criminals. You know, yeah. like, it's like, yeah. You know, just kind you of got away with what? showing how ballsy you are. You know, it's like, you want to freak out, but you can't. No. Because when you start to look suspicious, that's what they're looking for. Like they're they're looking mm-hmm. for you to look suspicious. Like you just play it cool. Like you got nothing to, you know, nothing to worry about. Then they they don't have any reason. And they don't have any reasonable suspicion if you don't look suspicious. Why y'all suspicious? Mm. Uh, do you have any personal stories of having to be cool under a stressful situation? Personal stories of having been cool. Anytime I've been pulled over by an officer, yeah. if I, especially if I were you know speeding, I'm always I'm always cool. I'm yeah. always like, you know, hello, officer. They asked me, you know, I was going fast. You know, yep, that was, I I always take ownership. Yep, I I was going too fast. That's on me. Yeah, I just I just play it cool, and I don't uh, I don't give any lip or sass. And I've gotten out of more tickets than I've than I've gotten because I just acquired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just because I played it cool, and I've had officers tell me that you know you know. You know, you've been polite, you've been respectful, and that that little bit. Like I've had officers say, you know, I get people that when I pull them over, like they throw their license at me or whatever. Like they're just, and I'm just doing doing my job. You know, it's like it's like you know, we, if you're speeding, you get caught. That's on you. You know, you were speeding. Like yeah. come on, like it's not it's not their fault. You made them have to pull you over. That that's on you. You might, just might as well own up to it. Wow. But if you're a jerk about it, that's on you too. So. Fun times. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you sometimes you're gonna take the L, but I found that if you just just be, be cool, cool, you can sometimes avoid the T. <laughs> get a get a dub. I thought you said you was gonna be cool. <laughs> What's Fonzie like? <laughs> it's, it's cool. <laughs> um 
Yeah, for me, a personal story uh, made me think about uh, me and my frat brother at the time. We were uh, pledging for our fraternity. It's nighttime. We were at this park, and we're waiting to be picked up, and there's this pit bull, like, just <laughs> looking at us. And my instincts, like, kick in, like, run. <laughs> that started. <laughs> and I started running, and my frat brother was right behind me. He starts running because I'm running. Then the dog runs after us. And then like like uh maybe after a second, I just stop. I was like, wait a second, I shouldn't be running because that's gonna entice the dog. I just stop and then the dog just runs past me <laughs> and then starts running towards my frat brother, but then it turns out the dog had an owner and the owner's like, Hey, come back here. Oh. But he just looked vicious and it looked my instincts, like survival instincts, like run. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what made me stop. I just stopped, and then the dog ran past me. But it was a big old pit bull, bro. Pit bull. Keep it cool, man. Keep it cool. Any more uh, favorite scenes for you, or memorable scenes? Again, just the the reveal that Mister Orange was a cop when that when that finally comes out, we get that flashback. We're like, oh, this dude, he's he's the one. Yeah. And there's just this the amount of setup and training he had to do and learning the story and all that. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. That's what wow. it takes, yeah. But he's been shot over this over this whole thing. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that's something. Um Memorable. Um, of course the the ear cutting off when he we see Mr. Blonde get on the guy. We slice his face first while dancing. Then he gets on the guy, but as soon as he gets on him, like digging in, cutting his ear off. The camera veers to the left. Pans away. I forgot what it said in the background. Like, watch your head, Tony, watch your head, or something like that in the background. Uh, found that interesting. I don't know if there's any meaning to to that. Mm. Um, and then we come back and we see that the ear's gone. And Mr. Blind's holding the ear up. And he says, hello. Or he says, can you hear me? Yeah. I was like, this dude's nuts. And he throws, Absolutely nuts. Throws the ear in and like splashes on the ground like... Uh, but it it reminded me of a movie, uh, Universal Soldier. You remember Universal Soldier with Van Damme? Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, and Dolph Lundgren. Um, they are soldiers that went to Vietnam, and so they had. He was the one doing like all the psychotic stuff, like shooting kids, killing women, da da da, da doing everything, right? Torturing people. Um, he when he was in Vietnam, he had a, a necklace and had all oh, ears. ears on it. I remember and, that. And he was like, "I'm all ears," and he's. Like, <laughs> it's like this is rough but that's what that scene reminded me of that's a fair point that's a that's a fair point uh again i just remember just the, the dancing michael Madsen's dancing yeah. to stuck in the middle with you just it's 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 funny yeah but it's also it's also creepy just the, when it cuts back to the cop it's just terrified look yeah yeah that scene is very memorable and then and the last scene i had that uh stood out to me was the the scene where they're giving the names and, and Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Pink has to, you know, but he seems so good at just complaining about stuff. And now he, we've we've established that he's he's if he doesn't agree with something, he's going to say something. Yeah. And you know, why do I have to be Mr. Pink? And, and there's the whole conversation. That I give my own name. I forgot what name, what color I'll, he gave himself. I'll, Purple. I'll, I'll be Mr. Purple. No, you're not. And the guy has to tell him. And then he wants to switch. Well, you got a cool name, Mr. White. He goes, "You going to switch?" Nobody's switching. <laughs> it's like <laughs> wrangling these kids. This uh, a yeah. lot of thought has been. Uh, put into this because like if I start giving out names everybody wants to be Mr. Black it doesn't work because why can't I be purple because somebody else another job is purple <laughs> like got a point yeah this is the system like just like fall in line buddy <laughs> um 
And one of my last ones is just the um, the prosthetics um, of kind of showing the injury that happened to the ear. Like, man, it looks so disgusting. For real. It looks gross. And then you put gasoline on top of a wound like that. What? No. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, it's just... Uh, That's mm. disgusting. And then um, going towards the end when Penn, Chris Penn's character... Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, nice shoots Guy him. Eddie. Nice Guy Eddie shoots that cop. When he shoots him, you see the blood splatter. Like, it's a, it's a squib. Mm-hmm. So, you, you shoot him, you see it like, it's like, man, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This is filmmaking. Yeah, just the standoff at the end. Uh, honestly, the very the very end with the, the sounds that Harvey Keitel is making. Because he's, he's, he knows he's going to die. Yeah. But he's also heartbroken yeah. because he 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 went to bat for this for this guy. Yeah, he he genuinely liked this guy. Yeah, and like the kid is not telling he's telling the truth, man. And and yeah, he he knows he's gonna have to. Well, he doesn't have to kill him, but he's gonna kill him. Yeah, he's, he's, like, he's like he's like conflicted. He's like wounded. He's weeping almost. It's yeah. like the sounds he's making are so guttural. And again, the camera slowly pans up. And we think, ah, you know, we hear the police saying, freeze, don't move, don't move. But we could tell he, he caps the guy in the head and then ah, we see him kind of just fall back. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, that's, this thing's a tragedy. Now that's a movie. Mm. Tropes. What you got for tropes? So Tarantino tropes. So I have the, uh, you know, storytelling out of order. Yeah, with the chapters and everything. Um uh, one location drama. It's another Tarantino, Tarantinoism, in reference to Hateful Eight for that. For sure, I have smoking. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Mr. White and Mr. Pink. They start smoking after the fight. They, you know, they're trying to figure things out, and they just start smoking. They, oh, yeah. It's just so cool the way they do it. It's like, yeah. Um, I also like the uh, you know another trope is just back to the. Using the N word quotes, you know, the N hard E R. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the Tarantino isms. Mm. Uh, the trunk shot. From, in, from right. inside the trunk, they open the trunk and you see them, yeah, shooting, shooting at the upward angle. Yeah. And yeah. you see Mr. White smirk when you see that it's a cop in there. Look what I've got. Like, man. Um, the pop culture references, which is a Tarantino thing, you know, that's, and also him weaving in some kind of movie. Thing, so when the, when the when they're all talking about um, uh, free sugar, the lady Christy, right, right. Uh, I can't think of the actress name, but uh, Christy something. Um, when they're when they're talking about her, just like oh, that's an actual thing, and then you see how people are trying to like figure out what their name is, and then mm-hmm. if you don't know the name of somebody, you just mention somebody that's another actress that's black, and so they're like Pam Greer, like no, that's in the other one, right? And so like you kind of see people fumble around how people would really do when you're trying to figure out what a name is. That's true. It's very true. Uh, another trope I had was pretending to be someone else. We've seen this multiple times in the Tarantino films. Of course, we have the cop doing exactly that acting. That's all I have for tropes. Likewise. What kind of quotes do you have? Quotes, quotes, quotes. All right. So um, this is Mr. White. Again, opening scene there around the table. And um, Mr. Blonde mentioned something about, you know, you want me to, to shoot him? It's after Mr. White has taken the book from the other guy. And uh, Mr. Blonde says, you want me to shoot him? 
And Mr. Wright says, you shoot me even in a dream, you better apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the cool line. Smooth. Um, back to Mr. White when Mr. Orange is shot in the back. Back back seat. He's shot. He's in the back seat, and then, and Mr. White's driving while having his hand to the back, kind of holding his hand and driving, mm-hmm. trying to get to the location. And he's kind of walking him through um, everything that's going on. He said, "Tell, repeat after me. I'm gonna be okay." Mm. <laughs> like just how he delivers. I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> this is uh, Mr. Pink to um, the whole table. I don't tip. What do you mean you don't tip? Don't tip. I don't believe in it. <laughs> um, it was funny. Who's the older guy? Like, what's his, what's his character's name? That's Joe Cabot. That's the that's the actual character's name. Mr. So, Cabot. Well, that's funny because when he when he's talking to him, he says, what do you mean you don't tip? Pitch in you cheap bastard! I paid for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just because you 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 paid, I'll chip in. But it's against my principles. Whatever. Never saying. mind your principles. Like it was just like funny how, and that dude's like a hard guy. Like that dude is like that way for real. Yeah, it turns out he's been like arrested like fifteen times or something like that. Really? Yeah, that dude's a jerk. And like it comes off on the screen. People thought there would be problems with him, but there was really no problems with him. But um, I think he got arrested shortly after, or maybe sometime during the shooting for shooting at his uh, nephew. <laughs> Something like that. Wow. <laughs> That's some trivia right there. Yeah, so he's that guy for real. So this is Mr. Blonde talking to Mr. White. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Are you going to bite? Oh. I'm sorry, what did you say? I, I didn't hear you so clearly. Can you say it again? <laughs> are you going to bark, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Psychopath. It's cool how... Um, uh, Mr. White the whole time has been building up Mr. Blonde's characters like I'm never working with this guy again dude's a psycho like kind of building it up that he's a psycho so we kind of as an audience like maybe he is kind of crazy and then we see him like be psychotic <laughs> and so oh, yeah. we, so we kind of got to go with Mr. White especially saying. once they all leave and he's alone with the cop oh, goodness. finally alone or whatever he says like uh oh <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is about to be very bad there's a scene where uh, Chris Penn Mr. Nice Guy. Nice Guy Eddie. Lord. I'm never, this is one of those things, it's not, it's not going to stick. Uh, <laughs> Fast Freddy. Nice Guy Eddie. <laughs> but he's, uh, we see Vic Vega, who's Mr. Blonde. You know, it's like one of those scenes where we discover, hey, there's a backstory there. He just got out of jail. They're giving him work. So he's there with Nice Guy Eddie. And uh, I forgot the character, his dad. Joe. His dad, Joe, they're all talking and they're wrestling and stuff like that. And um, uh, uh, nice guy, Eddie, wrestles Vic Vega to the ground. And then when they get it, his dad's like, that's enough. That's enough. Y'all get up. And then you see that daddy. He tried to fuck me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said, you sick bastard. You try to have sex with me in the office in front of my father. <laughs> Man, my dad, I was like, oh, this is uh, this is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> But they're doing that kind of typical made guy, tough guy talk and just Yeah. Yeah, they're doing their doing their thing. Uh last quote I had was from Mr. Nice Guy Eddie. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, he's like, Larry, stop pointing that gun at my dad. Yeah. And it's crazy how that scene like plays out how 
he still shoots Mr. Orange. His dad still shoots Mr. Orange. And those bullets go in the order that they say. So it's orange. Pop. Pin. Pop. White. Pop. Pop. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Orange gets shot. Then Joe gets shot. Then White gets White gets shot. But then Nice Guy Eddie gets shot by White. Because White has to get off two shots. He shoots oh. Joe and shoots uh, oh, Nice Guy Eddie. really? Yeah. After he's been shot, he fires back. Fantastic. Huh. Oh, critical shots. Critical hits. Except for, I mean, Orange was dying anyway, but he's, t- he's, he's tough. Yeah. So, like, you already been shot once, but what's, what's, what's another another bullet? Might as well. Um, While nice guy Eddie is trying to figure out what they're going to do, what he's going to do with the crew, he's like, hey, we got to go. Y'all come with me. Uh, Mr. Blonde, you stay behind. And, mm-hmm. you know, watch the warehouse, watch the cop. And then Mr. White's like, I'm not, don't leave this cycle here. You know, <laughs> dude's nuts. Like, I wouldn't leave him with anybody. Right, right. <laughs> but anyhow, they all leave together anyway. But it, it makes sense that the, he would trust Mr. Blonde to stay behind because of what Mr. Blonde has done for them in the past. Yeah, he's got established. Uh, he's, he's the one that, he, that they know. Yeah. Yeah, he knows. And so when everybody leaves door closed, Mr. Blonde is on top of this, you know, this little hill of stuff. And then he jumps down. He's like, finally alone. Mm. I was like, oh, he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the reveal is true. It's all true. When he walks up to the uh, the cop, cop's all like strapped down on the chair. And he's like, I think I parked in the red zone. And then he starts smirking. Man. I thought it was interesting how Mr. White's character, as they're leaving, he goes off uh, out of frame um, towards like Mr. Orange. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, did he put the gun back in his hand, or was Mr. Orange still holding the gun from earlier when he arrived at the at the warehouse? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I found that interesting. Do you have any questions for our filmmakers? I do have one question. Yeah. Is Vic Vega, aka Mr. Blonde, related to? Vincent Vega. Yes. Um, I, I, I know that from either an article that was written about it or inside uh, Pulp Fiction, the script, like certain, there's certain mention mm. uh, to how characters are related because his scripts read like books. So I don't remember if it's in actually in Pulp Fiction or if it was just an article, but they are related. Okay. That's enough for me. That's the only question I had about you. Because I think... If I'm not mistaken, um, Vincent Vega, sh- no, wait, no, because Vic got away. Yeah, huh? How how they would carry on to in in Tarantino's universe? How those some of those characters move on? But anyhow, um, do you have any trivia? Why, yes, I do. I've, I've given out some of it uh, along the along the way. Mm-hmm. But so here's um, one bit. Uh, Tarantino got his script to Harvey Keitel, and that resulted in the budget of the uh, the 1.2 mil uh, and the other connections, other actors that, that jumped on, such as Tim Roth and uh, others. So a little bit of insight on that a little bit. Um, Lawrence Bender, who we know is the producer for a majority of um, Tarantino's films, was taking a acting class, and in the acting class, he gives a Tarantino script because 
Lawrence Bender wants to produce, you know, it's like, hey, let me produce it before you. Because at first, this film was going to be $30,000, right. which was money that Tarantino earned from writing the script. And so that money, he's like, I'm going to just produce this myself mm. and um, for $30,000 and just me and my buddies. Right, right. So Lawrence Bender has the script, gives it to his the acting coach. Acting coach gives it to the wife. Wife knows Harvey Cartel. Harvey T- Cartel gets it and becomes a co-producer on the project. That's and right. And then the budget goes from thirty thousand to one point two million. That's awesome. So awesome. Uh, another bit of trivia is that initially Tarantino was going to or wanted to play Mister Pink. Huh. I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, me too. But then he at at Sundance at the uh, um, institution he did some acting classes with. Tim Roth, mm-hmm. which is how he ended up casting him. Oh. Or excuse me, with, with Steve Buscemi, which is how he ended up casting him as Mr. Pink. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, okay. Yes, I saw a clip from the that film institute. It's crazy how you can kind of workshop. I'm not necessarily sure how you get into, you know, I'm pretty sure it's just through the network of people you know. Um, but we've known a couple of filmmakers that have gone to the Sundance Institute, you know, for producing reasons uh, and writing. Uh, to work out their stuff, but I, th- I just think it's cool that he was able to workshop certain scenes and trying to figure it out. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, and that whole line about not tipping, that was actually Tarantino's philosophy during a period of time in his <laughs> life where he didn't believe in tipping. Unbelievable. Um, so the actual abandoned warehouse is actually a an abandoned funeral home. And when you actually look at the scene, it does look you, like a funeral home. When you mentioned Michael Madsen sitting on a, a stack of things, it's actually a hearse. Oh, he's sitting on top of, Fine. and there's a lot of coffins actually inside, but they're just set upright. That's they're, dark. they're set on their ends. So there's a bunch of coffins inside the warehouse. And when when um, Mr. White and Mr. Pink, when they hang back and kind of go wash their hands, they're actually in the embalming room of the uh, funeral home. Ah, I see. Uh, uh, another really interesting piece of trivia is that Tarantino caught some flack for for this film because there's one particular set of scenes in a movie called City on Fire, yeah, which is a Korean action film, and it's almost beat for beat this film. It's it's, it's wild. I, I saw YouTube. I was like, "What the heck?" It's but Tarantino just came out and said, "Look, it goes the best." filmmakers steal from other filmmakers because I steal from everybody. Yeah. But it's it is beat from beat. I was like, oh wow. <laughs> that's that's like the dialogue or just the 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 the, the, the whole the whole plot. Oh <laughs> the whole plot, bro. Are you kidding is, me? Yeah, I'll send you the video that, that I watched. I was like, oh, man. I know he gets a lot of flag just for like his for jacking stuff in general. You know, and he's like, yeah, I got this from this rep, this is the reference. You know what I mean. So this is like a Korean action film, literally, and this is this is like one part of the whole movie. But it's literally these, it's like it's like four guys who go by these these different names, like a, a brother so and so, a Mister so and so, Mister so and so, Mister so and so, or maybe maybe a brother so and so, brother so and so. But yeah. they they they're going to go do this heist at a diamond place. Ooh. While at the place, one of the guys Ouch. goes trigger happy and shoots one of the people there. Oh no! One of the guys involved in this is actually an undercover cop who also gets shot during the heist. Whoops! They end up going back to a warehouse, <laughs> and it, it and it's I'm like, wow! It's 
That's actually it's the plot. That's actually <laughs> disturbing. It, it is, the and that came out before plot. Reservoir Dogs. One hundred percent. That's why he got he got flack for it. But I, when they showed, I was like, oh. Just wanted to, for the record. <laughs> hey, it's yeah. He totally just took the the whole plot and yeah. made it, and made a whole movie out of it. Now, of course, the the pacing, the dialogue, the the things out of order, whatever. Yeah, he added his stuff to it because this is just a couple of scenes from a a bigger movie I've never seen. Yeah, City on Fire. But I'm, I'm and, interested to check it out. And now. plus, like um, for cinephiles, you know, you you take some things. American audience usually they watch American films. They're not watching international stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah the only way that people would know that is if you're you know, showing the film internationally. Right. I heard a lot of Kill Bill comes from uh, a film, Lady Deathbird, something to yeah. that effect. Mm-hmm. So, but this man, City on Fire is Reservoir Dogs. It's 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 crazy. Like, Even oh. the name Reservoir Dogs, like, is reference to another f- uh, film. I don't know the name of the film, but it's it's reference of uh, in, in the French New Wave. Yeah, they talked about a lot yeah. of the, the the French New Wave influence on the film. So that was interesting. Um, mentioned the Sundance Institute thing. Uh, Tarantino actually met Robert Rodriguez at the Toronto Film Festival in ninety mm-hmm. one or maybe ninety two. While you know he was you know promoting the film, and of course, El Mariachi. Rod- yeah, Rodriguez had you know made El Mariachi for like nine thousand dollars or seven thousand yeah. dollars, something yeah, like that. Absolutely, that's where they met. And of course, they they became. You know, best of friends, very close friends. Out of that class, too, is Kevin Smith, out of that class of 90s uh, filmmakers. And I think Richard Linklater as well. Okay. Those three for sure. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's what I had for a trivia. Um, also, um, the body count was low compared to other films in the genre. So, Agreed. So when people look at this film, they just... I, I know I just remember the violence I didn't I remember it's the film where the cop get his ear cut off yeah I mean you got all that blood in the back seat with, with uh, Mr. Orange you get everybody getting shot splattered everywhere you see the blood he's literally laying in the blood for the rest of the movie yeah uh, that's his you know his area for the movie and then of course the cop being tortured and we're forced to see that for a long time um, but they were saying it was a critic on one of these um uh, special features was basically because Tarantino dwells on on the uh, violence the, a little bit longer. The consequence of the violence. Yeah. So since he's hanging out with the violence a little bit longer, it feels more violent. But actually, the body count is a lot lower than uh, your typical heist film. It really is. Um, yeah. We just yeah. You have to just sit with it, and that you know maybe it's where some of the discomfort comes from. But uh, yeah. Now it's time for filmmaker tips. Do you have any tips for us? Just two tips. One, rehearse when possible. Yeah. They had a two-week window to rehearse for the uh, for the film. Um, I guess my only tip out of the stories was just when you're trying to make films and you're make sure that you're ne- have a producer. How about that? Yeah. Uh, if you can be friends with somebody that wants to be a producer, like a legit PGA producer, um, get your film in their hands because this film was intended to just really be a low budget 30. I mean, even 1.5 million or 1.2 or whatever, that's still considered a low budget. Um, cause I heard, I'm not heard, but read that, you know, some of these characters use some of their own wardrobe, like their own personal wardrobe. Cause the budget was so low. Mm. Um, but, um, if you have somebody who's want to be, be willing to give them that script and see how they can shop it and get more people involved because your vision for it, you know, may not be as grandiose for such a small budget and you may not be able to afford certain talent, but you know, having 
1.2 million changes things dramatically and now your career is launched absolutely great great point the last one i had is trust young directors so harvey keitel made some big moves in his career from trusting young directors he did with scorsese early on in his career yeah and then once again with tarantino the only one that didn't work out for him was with um francis ford coppola but he literally got removed from the set of apocalypse now yeah but his other ones have worked out it worked out obviously well with tarantino it actually was a resurgence in his career Mm -hmm. when he did this film i was in this um for father's day yeah father's day i was in the wine aisle and i saw francis ford coppola's wine el vino (laughs) uh but that's all i have for filmmaker tips not too much um i yeah, for for something like a film like this, just requires more reading books <laughs> and accompanying material, watching more videos because it's not in the special features. Yeah, very light, very very light. So yeah, I, I took in quite a few YouTube videos to get in some more information. Absolutely. And uh, what are we diving into next time? Next time we are going to uh, look at life like a box of chocolates. Oh. You never know what you're going to get next, but we do. And that's Forrest Gump, the Academy Award winning yeah. Forrest Gump. Absolutely. And you can catch us where? Facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Please check us out. Leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If there's some films you would like us to cover on filmmaker commentary, especially since we've been changing up the format and hitting up films that don't necessarily have commentary. Yep. Let us know what you'd like us to, to cover. We'd be happy to, to check that out. It's kind of wide open now. So uh, on Twitter, you can catch him at Reggie Titus. I'm at KCG Smith 32. We mainly post about the show on Instagram, though, at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. I'm at KCG Smith 32. Until next time. Peace. Respect. Respect.